0: Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Period, the podcast for people who want all things real, raw and reputable, where we smash taboos and break down stigmas. I'm your host, Isabella Gosling, and I am so excited to be back in your ears today. There was meant to be an episode on Wednesday and then it just all went downhill, for lack of a better word. Things were busy. I was tired, which is very ironic because this episode is all about adenomyosis and fatigue so i'm gonna chat all about the correlations between the two and some things i do to help manage that so i hope you understand there was no episode on wednesday this week it just didn't work out but there will be a new ep on this coming wednesday uh and i cannot wait to share that one with you but let's jump into today's episode. So with adenomyosis, there's not a lot of research into the condition. Like if we think there's a lack of research into endometriosis, there is even less research into adenomyosis, unfortunately. And... um, In research world, adenomyosis is still considered to be like a relatively new condition. So it's only been researched in about like the last 50 years or so. So the body of work in it is quite small and um, the funding for it is quite small as well. So that's, you know, something that needs to change because so many people are affected by adenomyosis as well as endometriosis. Um, If you have endo, you're also more than likely um, to be at risk of having adenomyosis as well. I think off the top of my head, the statistic is 50% of people with endo have a comorbidity of adenomyosis as well. So you generally have one or the other or both, Um, or you might just have adenomyosis and um, we need research into that as a condition on its own as well. So And in the research, like when we're talking about general what is adeno, how can we manage adeno, um, diagnosis of adeno, it always has like a little introduction or overview or symptoms of adenomyosis and fatigue is listed as one of those symptoms. However, when trying to search like the role of fatigue and adenomyosis and why is fatigue a symptom in adeno? I could not find any like good quality studies around the research into fatigue and adeno. Mainly there's studies around like the treatment of adeno using, um, different hormonal treatments, the, um, you know, use of uh, ultrasound scanning and MRI and diagnosing adeno, which is like all really needed, but it would also be good to have some research into why some of these symptoms are occurring as well so fatigue is one of the ones that I struggle with the most and it can be really really tricky to navigate and it's kind of like you're walking a bit of a tightrope. From my What I've been able to sort of deduce from the studies as to like some reasoning behind why fatigue is a huge factor for adeno is like twofold. So I guess there's one side of things where you've got like a really heavy period and you might have like a lot of blood loss throughout the month and that could then turn into iron deficiency, which makes you tired. Um, and that can really make you feel fatigued and exhausted and you might need to be taking iron supplements or you might need to have an iron transfusion because um, you know anemia can make you tired so that's one reason why adenomyosis might cause fatigue due to the blood loss Um, and then the other sort of one that can be sort of equated to is also that inflammation repair process that tissue damage process that's occurring with adenomyosis and this is just sort of like anecdotally from not research that I've been able to find but just sort of from knowledge of the inflammation repair process and then um extrapolating that onto studies and things like that so um when you have a tissue injury, that gets repaired, and if that reprocess, if that process keeps happening again and again and again, um, it doesn't repair as well each time. But it also uses energy in the body. It uses energy in the body to repair this and that. You know, we can't see that happening every day, but internally, like that's using energy, and that can cause fatigue as well. And having inflammation in the body can be tiring and lead to fatigue. So that's sort of two reasons as to why fatigue is like a symptom of adenomyosis that haven't really been researched properly but can be deduced, I guess. So anyway... I would really love to see more research into that and because I know it's like I said a huge thing that I suffer from but also something massive that so many other adeno sufferers deal with as well fatigue but I thought um, for the other half of this little episode that I would share some of the tips or things that I do to help manage my fatigue and you know help me live Um, as best quality of life as I can living with adeno and managing and navigating fatigue. So the first thing I do is try to listen to my body and it's something that I've gotten a lot better at since, you know, being diagnosed and working with working with my body instead of working against it and I'm still not 100% perfect at it and there's times where I just push through and don't listen and then reap the consequences instead of the rewards the following day but overall listening to my body and sort of giving it what it's asking for is something that I really really find helpful so If I'm feeling really tired or fatigued that day, trying to see if I can, you know, move something around or, you know, push something to the side or, you know, what can I not do that day to make my day easier to sort of conserve those energy levels? Like, is there a task that I can do another day? Like, does the washing really need to get done today? Can I go to and can I reschedule an appointment if I, you know, if I can, um, obviously with work and things like that, that's harder to navigate. And so I try and like focus my energy on like where, what's the most important thing that needs to get done. So if I've got work on or a shift at the hospital, that's probably going to be one of the most important things that day. So I'm going to need to have energy to get through that shift. So if I have other things that need doing that aren't as important, um, I might leave those for another day when I have a day off, and I can take things a little bit slower. So prioritizing and sort of listening to your body is what I find really helpful for me. Um, There's also something called pacing, which is really helpful as well along the same sort of lines. Um, So pacing was first sort of coined in the 1980s, like the late 1980s, and it's Sort of similar to what I was just describing. It's a method of like not overdoing it and causing yourself to sort of crash with that fatigue. So you do one activity and then you have a rest, and you do another activity and then you have a rest. And it's sort of a way to sort of conserve and prolong that energy when you are living with adeno or another chronic illness and you are navigating fatigue. And so that rest might look different. Like you might do an activity that is like lower exertion on you if you're feeling up to it. So maybe you need to go to work. So that's one huge energy activity. And then after that, um, you need to do a rest activity. And so that could be, you know, relaxing on the couch and resting, like active kind of resting, I guess, because you're not completely like meditating or anything like that, but you do something that's lower energy to sort of compensate. So you do that and then you do another activity. So maybe that's cooking dinner that might, you know, that might use quite a bit of energy and then you do something else. So you might go and lay in bed and journal or meditate or things like that. Um, So that's pacing. It's sort of like you go up and then you come down and you go up and you come back down. Um, Another one, I guess, that is used quite often is like the spoon theory and like activities use a number of spoons and you only have a number of spoons throughout that day. So you don't want to be out of spoons before the day ends. So like, again, prioritizing and choosing those activities that sort of work in with you. And, you know, one day you might have more spoons than another day. Um, And it just depends like what works for you. So maybe you can try pacing um, and see how that works like doing an activity having a rest doing an activity or maybe you know you'll use the spoon theory already and that could be really helpful as well as to like not overdoing it um, the other thing that I find really helpful is moving my body and I know when you're feeling really tired that be, might be something like you don't really want to do but I know like I feel a lot better afterwards like might be feeling really tired but you do get that little burst of energy at the end of like going for some sort of movement it doesn't have to be intense like I'm not talking anything crazy like it could just be like a 10 minute walk see how you feel and you go no that's enough for me I'm done but you know you feel sort of good for going and doing that movement and you get extra oxygen and you get um, a chance to sort of stretch those muscles out a little bit and provide a little bit more energy um even though you are exerting energy or you know having a stretch session can also help um if you don't want to go for a walk just doing some gentle stretching um it all depends what you know what your energy level is like when you're starting out with that not really starting out but when you're navigating that day what you're really up for how you're feeling so yeah like You know it could just start out with just some gentle stretches and see how you go maybe you are like oh no that felt okay i could go for a little walk or anything like that so figuring out like what movement works best for you that day and keeping it gentle and i'm not saying you have to move every single day but i just find that that helps me um when i'm feeling not too fatigued to um, move my body a little bit because i do find that gives me some energy Uh, This one goes without saying, I guess, but like getting a good sleep is really helpful for managing my fatigue. So making sure I get at least eight hours of sleep every night. Um, If I don't, I get really cranky and really irritable and I just feel completely exhausted. So things that I try and do to help make sure I get a really good sleep is that I try and wind down in the evenings. So try and reduce that screen time and try and um limit it i have like a yellow light filter that comes on my phone at 6 p.m and my phone tells me it's do not disturb bedtime at eight o'clock and so that's two things that i've found really helpful i also make sure that my space is like set up for sleep so my room's not too hot my bed's all nice and made i'm ready to dive in um this is super extra and not already like not you know something you need to do but sometimes I do find like a little sleep spray or a pillow mist or something like that is really nice as well just like a nice little touch um but yeah and then I also like to make sure that my room is super dark like and if that's something that, you know, isn't really easy for you, I use a um, one of the migraine masks from Spoonie Society. So it's like a weighted eye mask and I use that like every night. Just it blocks out all the light and that pressure just feels really nice as well for me. Um, it might not be for everyone, but I really like it. Um, the next sort of thing I guess is like diet so making sure that you are trying to eat lots of really nourishing foods so those leafy greens getting those good healthy fats in because um, our nutrition can really play a role in you know supporting our body so trying to really get the most out of what we can so if you aren't really sure what to eat or how to navigate that or anything like that I really do recommend seeing a nutritionist or a dietitian or a naturopath who specializes in these chronic conditions and um, I'll share some people at the end of this episode in the show notes but I think that's something that can be really helpful to sort of boost that energy as well, especially naturopaths. They can sort of work with you around supplementation that you might need or um, things that you might be lacking that they can add back into your diet. And then the last sort of one that I use quite regularly is sort of it's, um, you know, again, it might not be for everyone, but I find this really helpful myself is like going floating, um, at like i just go to the city cave near me and it's like a magnesium pool and you float for an hour i just find that so relaxing and i just feel so much more energetic and restored after it so um it's basically like a shallow pool with like lots of magnesium like i think it's like you know it's like a huge amount of magnesium that allows you to float and um, it equates to the equivalent of like eight hours sleep according to the float place so you know take that with a grain of salt I'm not sure Evidence around that, however, I do feel really rejuvenated and refreshed afterwards. I hope this has been helpful and that you've taken something from this. Or if you have other ways that you manage fatigue, I would love to hear them. Um, Come and comment on the latest Instagram post about this episode and tell me all about what you do to manage your fatigue, or hop into the Facebook community, the Let's Talk Period community. Um, The link's in the show notes or just search that on Facebook and tell me all about how you manage your fatigue. I would love, love, love to hear from you. If you did enjoy this episode, though, I would love if you could share with a friend or a family member or anyone who you think might enjoy or just share that you're listening on Instagram stories. That just helps to find new listeners for the Let's Talk Period community and I am always forever, ever grateful for any support from you all. Other than that, I'll be back in your ears on Wednesday with a brand new interview episode. Let's Talk Period is produced for educational purposes and the information, recommendations and topics talked about does not constitute medical advice or take into consideration your personal circumstances or medical history.